0: get some tea and we'll get started all right friends we're back i wanted to hopefully get through some of this talking about jesus welcome to the genuine podcast thanks for hanging with us we hope that you enjoy this podcast and subscribe if you like let's check into our current topic So, you're forgiven of all your sins throughout your entire life, as you are right now, if you're a Christian. Everything you've ever done and everything you ever will do to mess up, even things you're doing right now, you're forgiven of. Well, should I just continue in it? No. In fact, the Bible says something about that. It says it in Romans. Okay. Check this out. What shall we say then? This is chapter 6, verse 1. Shall we continue in sin that the grace of God... His ability may abound over us. In other words, his ability to cover us, cover our sins. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? Continue. Notice the word continue. Should you keep doing what you're doing? Wrong. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. There you go. Biblical instruction. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Notice there's a freedom from sin. When he says you died to sin, you have to understand that this dialysis, they took all the dead things out of you and put new things in you. So the old things that were corrupt, dying, and kept you separated. Remember this: sin separates you from God, so to speak. Right, so to speak. Sin separates you from God. What is sin? Sin in itself, the original sin, or if you say, or the the only sin, if you say, is to not believe in Jesus. Okay, to not trust Jesus, believe, obey trust try to make those the same exact word for you that will help you a lot you don't obey jesus because you don't believe jesus because you don't trust jesus okay that's i mean that's a natural thing for anybody i don't trust you because i don't believe what you say and therefore i don't do what you tell me to do because i don't trust you that that's just a way to react and that makes sense So the goal is to believe in Jesus, to believe not just in him, but to believe him. Does that make sense? Not just to believe in him. Oh yeah, he was the son of God. No, I'm talking about believe him. Jesus, I believe you. I believe what you said. I believe what your prophet said. I believe what your teacher said. I believe what the Bible says that you constructed, that you inspired men to put it together, but you inspired men to write things down. So you have to understand something about the Bible. The Bible says it's God inspired, which means that God inspired them to keep track of these things. God told them it wasn't just him directly, so to speak. Um, telling them exactly what to write all the time. It was him inspiring the direction and the leading and all these things for them to put it down. That's why there's imperfect people who wrote down a perfect Bible. That's why not everything in the Bible, this is the difference between God inspired and God dictated, okay? God dictated is God said something and somebody wrote it down, okay? There are examples of that in the Bible. When you see Jesus uh, uh, appearing to Paul in the Bible, he says, Saul, Saul, why have you persecuted me? And he says, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus Christ, whom you persecute. It is hard for you to kick against the goads, which means you're you're fighting your own team here, man. Right. But then you see in places like the Old Testament where it says the word of the Lord came or the word said, or you know, God spoke and this thing, blah, blah, blah. And he tells the prophets what to say and this and that. And there's a whole thing on Old Testament prophecy. But but when you read things, and now this is going to get some people right now. But when you read things like where Job said, God gives and God takes away. People have created complete doctrines over that because of how they have had negative experiences and the truth is is God did not say that God did not say God gives and God takes away what well, would say God gives and God takes away quote me <laughs> right. No, Moses would say that about himself because Moses wrote in, in uh, one of his own books, the first five books of the Bible were written by Moses. And in those books, he writes, and Moses was the meekest man in all the earth. And that's impressive, okay? <laughs> Write that about yourself to make sure you know you look good in the end, right? And he was good. He was a good guy. But God did not say God gives and God takes away. Job said that. And at the end of Job, I'll even read it to you. Uh, let's see if we can find it real quick. Hold on. Whoop. Just a second, just a second. See if we can get here, okay? Do 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 sorry friends, I'm trying to find it real quick. It's a little hard to find with this this bible sometimes. Okay, here we go. So Job has this whole discourse and all these things, and he ends up struggling and things, and then he gets answers and stuff, and then God kind of starts talking to him. And he starts... Uh, he starts answering. Uh, verse, uh, chapter 42 is the last chapter in, in the book of Job. And God has spoken all these things and he's basically, God's basically saying, can you do all these things? Do you know how this was made? Do you know how all this was created and all these things? And it says this, then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said I will question you, and you shall answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I abhor myself, and I repent in dust and ashes. So he said, God gives and God takes away. But he said that without understanding. Now, that may not be in full context. There's a whole study on Job that you can study. But the truth is, is that what we have taken and made doctrine is not necessarily what God said. As I said in one of my previous podcasts, right, in this whole section is, you do not get to define God. God defines himself. So we listen to how God responds and chooses. And in the New Testament, as Christian believers, we only, only look at the New Testament for that. The Old Testament was a different covenant. It's good to be understood, it's good to understand, and it's good to receive promises from that because we inherit those promises as well. And we inherit the blessings as well because that's biblically proven in the New Testament. Okay? But we inherit our inheritance from Jesus. Okay? And we inherit our doctrine from Jesus and those whom he sent which is Paul, Peter, James, and John. And you have to also take those guys into context because, because, for example, James, the Lord's brother, was not a believer while Jesus was alive. It was only after he was resurrected and Jesus appeared to him, according to historical record, uh, that Jesus appeared to him, that James believed, and then James became a very devout Christian Jew. He never stopped being Jewish, but a Christian Jew. And he was the head or the pastor uh, lead apostle if you will but a pastor over the church in jerusalem which was a jewish church okay oh all right a messianic jewish church if you will and so most of the time when you see james he is talking to jews and he has a very jewish mindset concerning the word of god and concerning jesus so he had a real hard time understanding gentile perspectives and what god was giving to gentiles but the truth is is that Jesus did not give James the revelation to the Gentiles he gave it to Paul in fact Jesus is the one who speaks to Ananias confirming that and to Paul confirming that Paul says it later I got the revelation for the Gentiles through Jesus Christ himself and not that wasn't given to me by man but Ananias, he says he knows what he has to do for me he'll be he'll stand before me before kings queens uh, kings and, and people of authority and Gentiles okay so you have to understand That even the book of James has some very strong Jewish points that don't necessarily pertain to exactly how we live and function but are always going to be helpful and guided okay you have to understand that even some of the things that Jesus said oh my gosh this is going to throw some people even some of the things Jesus said do not necessarily pertain to me specifically in the sense that because I'm a Gentile and I do not follow Jewish law When he was referring to Jewish law and Jewish practices, there were things that he was trying to fix concerning that, but that doesn't concern me. But I have to take it in its context, and I have to help myself understand it in order to glean off of it and live a proper, better life. So you have to understand that when Jesus makes you righteous and he cleanses you, that you are in full connection with God. That means you have the ability and the, uh, the opportunity, if you will, the choice to trust in him, believe in him, and therefore obey him or do what he says to do, okay, by learning from him, gleaning from him, but also those whom he sent. So now today, a lot of the times we have these people who believe in doctrine that is solely from the Bible, which is perfect, and I agree with that, but but they 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 struggle with the idea that preachers and teachers today are just as valuable as the apostles from back then. I believe it's true that we don't have apostles who can write doctrine. Uh, such as the Bible, but I do believe that we have continuously been mentored from people by generations and generations who have received revelation from God. And re- revelation is not new knowledge outside of the Bible, it is the perspective in the Bible that deepens the relationship that you have with God. So it's revealed knowledge. Revelation is revealed knowledge. It is not new knowledge, it is revealed knowledge, meaning something that was there, but now it's more clearly seen. Okay, something that was slightly effective becomes more effective. Something that was useful becomes absolutely needed, okay? And it always brings you to conviction. Conviction proves God's love for you. Condemnation proves your worthlessness or your valuelessness. Now let's go back to that because we were talking about Jesus and dialysis and that, and I got on this tangent, but I think that will help some of you to kind of understand some perspective. First of all, what I believe, but secondly, uh, what I believe the Bible is trying to say And that churches don't do the best job of explaining it sometimes. And I hope that begins uh, some curiosity and some knowledge for you. And even for some people who don't believe or understand Christ or the Bible or churches or all this stuff. That we base our lives based on Jesus and not churches. At least we're supposed to. Not on traditions, but based on the words that he said and the words that he gave to others to say to us. So for example, Paul. And for example, Peter and James and John, okay? So we have the entire New Testament for that reason, so that we can learn uh, from us. So if you're not Jewish, you are learning a lot of how we live from people like Paul and people like Peter and John and James. However, there were some things that James, Peter, and John's doctrines in the Bible, um, you know, 1st, first, 2nd, first, 3rd John, the book of Revelation, um, um the later to the Hebrews, written by who I believe is Paul. Some people aren't sure about that, but I believe it was Paul. You have the first; you have the letters of of uh, of of um, Peter, right, in there, and you have a couple of others like the little little letter of Jude, and uh, and a couple of things like that. But and also to say, uh, you have those, and they also have a little hint of bias towards Judaism because they were speaking primarily to Jews most of the time. But you have to see. Certain things happening in fact somebody was mentioning to me and they said "Well, I thought you know I thought this was written to um, uh, just this type of people and you can see where uh, James was writing to the church uh, of basically the Jewish Church and then you can see where Paul was writing to the churches who are called to be Saints which means that he was writing to everybody so he wasn't writing to Jews nor was he writing to Gentiles he was writing to everybody he was writing to those who hadn't decided yet and this is the book of Romans, by the way, the letter, really, to Romans. And, and I think it's also important to note, um, before I go back into um, what we were talking about, I think it's important to note that when you're reading letters that were personally written to certain people, like the letter of Philemon, uh, and the letter of First and Second Timothy, letters, uh, it's important to notice the difference between him speaking to a body of people with general advice and specific leadership advice or specific mentoring advice as a father to a son when you see something like Paul to Timothy, or you see something to Philemon. There's so many Christians, and this is what the this is what a lack of leadership understanding or a lack of leadership process uh, will 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 incur. It'll 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 mislead people. Just cause you read Paul's letters doesn't give you a right to institute Paul's directions towards somebody else okay which means that if you're not a leader just because you read direction from Paul to Timothy doesn't mean you can go tell your pastor what to do like he was telling Timothy you don't have that right Paul was an apostolic father this is a gift and a position given by God and helped established by other leadership writing to another leader a young pastor who was needing some encouragement and some strengthening and some guidance and he gave him some direction and he also gave him some warning Okay, and then Philemon, he, he addressed some things and talks about a slave and, and you know, Anismus and stuff like that, uh, and a slave and how, you know, to transition in that mindset of treating him as a brother versus treating him as a slave. And I, and I find that so many people want to take Paul's leadership style and correct the church and correct bad leaders because they see it in the Bible. And, and that's, I get it. I understand it. It's, it might be needed. But technically, you don't have a right to do that, especially if you're not going to do what he told Timothy, which is, I adjure you for, he doesn't say adjure, but he says, I, I admonish you, first of all, that you pray for all leaders and those in authority. So if you aren't praying for those leaders, now, to pray for those leaders, you have to understand the heart of Jesus. To pray for those leaders doesn't pray, you don't pray, God, please get rid of them, they're doing bad leadership. There's No, you pray for their benefit. You pray for, you, we pray in hope, faith, and love, right? Faith, hope, and love, right? That's what 1 Corinthians ends, uh, 13 ends with. You pray with faith, hope, and love. When you pray with those, that is, the, that is the realm that we stay in when we're staying in Christ. That means we're always praying in faith, which means a substantial understanding of truth. Hope, which means the right direction towards God's heart. And love, which is the only method by which we can receive from God. And the only which method which we can communicate with God. Now, you can hate God. And he can hear you probably to some degree. And he can, you know, you can you can talk about all this and stuff. But what hinders God from receiving uh, from you is you haven't offered anything that he can use. You have to offer love. And he can say, I can work with that. So when we give praise to God, it's because we love God. We don't just give praise to God just because of who he is. We give praise to him because we love him. We choose to love him. You know, it, it's like this. It's, you know. Give me a good example here. You know, if you have a boss that you appreciate but you don't love, you say, Hey, man, thanks for being a decent boss. And he's like, All right, cool. Yeah, thanks. And it really doesn't mean anything to either one of you. Why? Because there's not really truly love there. There's no fellowship there. There's just appreciation from a distance. You know what I'm saying? But when you actually love somebody, you actually go out of your way to intentionally help them understand your appreciation. really gives them value into life. they have a place where you can receive from them mentorship leadership and understanding and and also have a willingness to serve them and help them along with their pursuits and you also want to spend more time outside of the tactics or the or the job tasks that you want to do you have a you have a desire to pursue that outside of that and create fellowship beyond that well God's the same way A lot of times we try to please God and serve God and do this and that, and that's wonderful, and I'm glad, but we desire to pursue that in every area of life outside of just doing stuff for God or doing stuff in the church or serving at church. We desire to live well, to exist well, to experience Him in every single facet of our life, and that is love, not just acquaintance. If I want to acquaint with God, I go to church and I try to serve and say, hey, I did some good things at church. Surely God's pleased with me. Now I'm going to go home and watch the football game and not think about God till next Sunday. Or, you know, I'm just going to go do my thing and then, yeah, oh, wait, I need to soothe my conscience. I need to feel better because I haven't really thought about God or done anything great or anything. So I'm going to go find something to do at church so that I can feel better about myself. All that and, you know, the crazy thing is leadership does that too. Pastors do that too. There are people out there who aren't really doing anything for God, but when they... You know, they're doing what they have to do in order to soothe their conscience to feel like they're still valuable, they're useful to the kingdom of God. And that's not healthy. That's a sickness. I don't know why I got on that, but it's a sickness. You have to understand that peace with God comes from a desire to, this is a strong word and a cautious word, I, I, a word that I want to be cautious with, but to invoke the love of God, not to conjure it. You know, not to not to do witchcraft or some voodoo to mix match method where you finally get it and it finally starts to happen. But to invoke the love of God means to say, he said he loves me. I believe that. So I say it. Paul said it this way. He said, David said, which is another guy in the Bible, right? David said, we believe, therefore we speak. So we also believe, therefore we speak. So we believe. And that's why we speak those things. God loves me. And I'm not saying that because I want to be better than somebody else, but because he said he loves me. Jesus said he loves me. Jesus said and prayed in John chapter 17 that we would know that God the Father loves us just as much as he loves Jesus. Now, when Christianity starts taking that and saying, well, we're not that worthy of that, then you are denying God's right to say what he wants and say how he wants to say it. And that is really unbiblical. You cannot do that to him. You cannot define his word for him. You know, God said he loves everybody, but, but he didn't really mean that. God says he doesn't want anybody to perish, but he didn't really mean that. You need to know that you're probably not going to make it. You know, there's people that do that. They actually push people out of the kingdom just because they don't like them. So they say, that you know, that must be one of those people that's really not going to make it. They have no hope, they have no faith, and they have no love for those types of people. So they judge and assume that they are correct when they can say, well, you know, God said some people aren't going to make it, some people are. He didn't say he wanted some people not to make it. He said he would that none should perish. So what am I saying? You're you trying to judge somebody to death. Doesn't is actually unbiblical and you actually stand against the desire of God because although you have a righteous form of judgment in your own eyes, it does not follow the biblical doctrine. Are there places where it says, well, people will be judged? Yes, but if you harp on those, you miss the entire context of the Bible, which is by love, he wishes that none should perish, and yet judgment still remains for those who, sit, who choose. Not that you choose for, but who choose to remain detached from God. Because they refuse to believe in Jesus Christ. So when you look at sin, the only sin is to not believe in Jesus because God chose that Jesus is the method by which we are saved. Not that we can choose a method by which we are saved. He chose the method. He made it available for all. It's easy for all. It's truth for all. But you have to believe that and accept it. And then, that's invoking the love. That is believing the love that God has for us. John said that in the little book of 1 John. He said, we have known and believed the love that God has for us. So you see, there's lots of things to consider in this. And I know I've probably gone really long with some of the things I'm, I'm, I'm rambling. I don't know if I'm teaching per se. But when it comes to peace and when it comes to the church, you're going to find tons of hypocrisies. But I love what one of my favorite ministers said. And I'll hold off on the name for now. But he says this. He says you cannot. He says, you don't judge Christianity by the conduct of Christians. You judge it by the conduct of Christ. Are there hypocrites? Are there really bad examples? Are there people who are failing in what they were called to do? Yes. but That does not mean you have to, and that does not mean you have to hate those people that do. I'm encouraging you and challenging you to start opening up your mind to the Bible itself, to start listening to leaders who not only inspire you. Inspiration is good, but to help you see that God loves you, that's also good. But I'm really challenging you to do even further than that. I'm challenging you to listen to the little words, the little context. Start understanding the scripture in a smarter way. Don't just accept something that somebody says. Listen, I'm I, I pastored a few people with along with my my main pastor, my my pastor. But you know, if 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 people aren't getting fed and we're just kind of coming and assuming the role, you know, of being a Christian, being a church, and this and that. Then that's our fault as leadership, but that doesn't mean you have to fail. It means that you need to find somebody who is teaching something, follow them, and if God still, you still feel a sense that you need to come and help this church or that church or that, then continue to go there. But if you feel like you're being abused or this or that, not just that you disagree, okay, not that you just get upset by some of the teaching. If you get upset by some teaching, try to study it and see what happens and see if see if you you can recognize their perspective that they come from and whether it's really biblical or not. And if it's not, I would talk to them. And if they refuse that and they start really pushing you out or trying to shut you down or if they call you out in public, which is actually inappropriate, unless you um unless unless you've been talked to privately a few times about it. Um and there's some biblical um constitution for that if you will uh, that Paul described. Um You can learn how to judge people correctly. You can learn how to judge leaders correctly. But you definitely should learn, should learn, how to judge yourself correctly. And God can show you all that. So we'll get into that in the next few podcasts. Uh, I'm stopping for this time so that I can put these together and send them out to you. But you could expect more of some of this in the long term. There's a lot that I said. Um, It kind of seems like rambling sometimes. But I encourage you to go back over this. Listen to it a few times, slow it down, pause, think about it, and we'll get back into it. Like I said, um, hopefully I'll be answering your questions and things over the next few videos, even the questions you haven't asked yet. But remember, Jesus is for you. He's not against you. I have no ill will towards you. My desire is not to correct you in the same sense, but to help you understand what the Bible is trying to say to us and how it's effective for us today. Um, there are wonderful churches out there and places that that do things. And there's even the greatest churches sometimes have some really flawed people in them, and even sometimes they they miss handling certain things. Well, and and that's okay. It's not okay because it's not not so not okay just because it's okay. Like it's approved. It's not approved, but it's okay because it, it, anybody can learn from it and do it better. And sometimes we don't know how to do better until we've done it wrong but at least we're trying to do better. And so I've learned that in my life, even if I haven't done things well, I can do things well and I have to work towards that. That's exercise, that's practice, that's diligence and discipline. And if you never discipline and you stay away from it and you never try anything that the Bible says, then you're never gonna experience the victory of getting over bad things. You'll just always be bad and see yourself as bad and less valuable. And you will never see the value that Christ put into you. So, you know, the the last thing to talk about in this quick last minute, I think, is to see, hey, um, that God really loves each one of us and the people that don't know him. And he died for all of us. But they have to accept it for themselves. And it's not our job to keep them from it because we don't like them. But also to see the value of what we said. And this is what we're going to go over in the next podcast. But to see the value of a human being is vitally important. You know, the Old Testament says we were worthless worms. The New Testament proves that God would do anything to have us back in His life and His eternal presence. So I want to remind you that as we go along, There are people who are disagreeing with this. There are people who are challenging this. But I hope that you keep an open mind and an open perspective to see some things that are going to help you to really understand why you currently are living today. Why you should continue to live. And how you will understand that God wants to help you exist well. That he's not going to leave you alone to try to figure it out. And he's not going to leave you without help. He gave you gifts. He gave you his spirit, his presence. And he gave you full access. The Bible even says so full access to him. So if you don't feel like you have full access to him, you're living a lie. We need to figure out what the truth is about that and how to get you into it. So I'll leave that hanging there for you to consider and we'll go into it in the next podcast. See you soon. Hey guys, thanks for hanging with us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, hit that subscribe button and share with someone you know. Follow us on YouTube, Spotify, and iTunes, and we will catch up with you on the next episode.